Hello, my name's Tim. And I live on a canal boat in Hockney Port, a residential mooring site in the heart of Birmingham, England. Welcome to episode four of this podcast that I started four weeks ago at the beginning of the UK's lockdown in response to the COVID-19 global epidemic. In previous episodes, we've heard how some of my boating neighbours are coping with the lockdown in the small confines of their boats, and I think it's fair to say that generally speaking, they're coping very well, especially with the good weather allowing them to spill out onto the towpaths. As it is for many people around the world at this stage of the crisis, we appear to be falling into some sort of routine, and actually, our story here at Hockey Port hasn't changed much over the past week. So in this episode, we're going to take a pause from talking about the lockdown in order to learn a little bit more about Hockley Port and how some of us have come to live here. Here's Nikki and John. We're often asked how we come to live on a boat. It's one of the most common questions along with, isn't it cold in the winter? I was told there are three people who live on boats. There are young people who can't get a house. There are old people who've got equity in the house. And there are men in their 50s whose wife got the house. <laughs> yes, I think I fall into the, uh, the last category. The only way I could uh, live somewhere was uh, to buy a boat. Hi, my name's Penny. I needed somewhere to live for me and my dogs when my first marriage broke down. I thought, ooh, Birmingham's got lots of canals. People live on boats. Yes, drink had been taken when I had that thought. However, unlike some ideas that you conceive under those conditions, this one turned out to be an absolutely brilliant one. I've been at Hockley Port for 30 years, pretty much to the day. It was Easter when I moved in in 1990. At the time, it was sort of a community project. The city farm was here. There was a big children's play scheme. And some of the people that lived on the boats also helped out on the play scheme. I think you've got to reduce mooring for that. So it was quite a, an alternative community. There were lots of different people. There was a real mixture uh, of people, loads of dogs, kids, cats. This is Lisa and Ian on Black Bess. We've been on Black Bess for nine years now um, and it was a journey that I never thought I would take until I met Ian. Basically, I met Penny nearly 30 years ago and she, she introduced me to another boat. I thought, wow, I never knew nothing about boats. I didn't even know, you know, there was any boats in Birmingham. So anyway, we was invited over to Hockleyport. It was a very different place then and I was hooked. I wanted to do this. Hello there, it's Colin Hastings of Hockleyport. I came to Hockley Port in 1990. In those days, Basin 1 was the only place to moor boats. Two boats were breasted side to side on the side where the bins are and single boats on the other side. People talk about basins and arms. In essence, Hockley Port is a spur which comes off a loop of canal on the mainline canal between Birmingham and Wolverhampton. There are a number of these sorts of spurs along the canal that once upon a time would have serviced the many factories in the area. Imagine Hockley Port as a capital letter F. The vertical line is what we refer to as the arm, and the two shorter horizontal lines of the letter F are what we refer to as basins A and B. The whole site can accommodate approximately 30 boats. I came to live on a boat because four years before I rented a boat from Alf Church Boats, and that changed my life when I realised that boating was for me. So four years later, I bought a boat. 
So John and I haven't always lived on Poppy together on this boat. Actually, uh, we both lived here separately and uh, I married the boat next door because he had loads of storage space, you know, I wanted that. Uh, One of the coincidences, uh, we both bought our boats the same week in 2000. Nicky in Wolverhampton, me in Chorley in Lancashire. And so it wasn't until several years later that we both ended up here. I moved in in 2002. I was studying and working in in Birmingham and I needed somewhere that I could leave my boat because I was also working in tourism, so I was away a lot of the time. So I went on a waiting list for this place and moved in in April 2002. But one of the funny things about it, when we both bought our boats, I had to bring mine down from uh, Lancashire in the Easter, and I don't think anybody remembers it now, but there was a pandemic that was a foot and mouth disease, which made moving our boats extremely difficult. Yeah, with foot and mouth, it closed the countryside. So the same as today when we can't go out. When I set off from near Wolverhampton to bring my boat into Birmingham, I got to a set of locks and the waterways people were just locking them up. So six weeks later, I was finally allowed to move the boat as my first boat movement. It's only, what, 19 years later, we're all closed down again. When I finally got down to Birmingham, uh, like a few people that's moved into Hockleyport, I moved into Sherbourne Wharf. And I was in Sherbourne Wharf for just over two years. And I'd seen this place and I lusted after coming here. And I went on the waiting list and I finally moved in, I think, nearly three years after I had the boat. And it was the best move I ever made, moving into Hockleyport. I had a friend who said to me that any time you want to come live on a boat, let me know. I hadn't seen him for a few years. I called him and we went to see our first boat. And what did you say, Lisa? I said, yeah, I think I can do this and I want to go for it. And Black Bess is our first boat, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So nine years ago, we bought Black Bess. We moved to Sherbourne Wharf for two years, didn't we? And then we ended up coming to Hockley. Now, I've come to Hockley because I knew it was here, uh, because I've been before. And we thought we'd be wanted to come down here yeah. and try this out, out of the city. We was losing a lot of the facilities in the city centre. Yeah, the car parking, yeah. Losing, losing that was, was a big issue for us. We needed some yeah. form of car parking. And we've been happy ever since. I'm from a railway family. All my family works in a railway. So it naturally took an interest to see why there's these railway lines under the tarmac. And it was an interchange port between the Great Western Railway and the canals. Most of the goods, if you go up towards Smethwick, come down the canals there's a lot of canal arms into different factories and things and they're still there but the factories are long gone and they brought them all into Hockley where there's transferred from the boat onto the small railway wagons wasn't they that's right yeah and you can still see some of the railway tracks the the wagons was then drawn by horse to the uh, hydraulic lift which goes under all saint street the tunnel's still there Mm -hmm. that's why it floods you know really (laughs) it's sinking (laughs) that's why every time it rains it floods because the tunnel's underneath all of their old railways are gone, but the canals remain, and this what become Hockley Port. It used to be an old railway transfer basin. It was originally built in 1801, and if you look at old maps of the area, you can see all the railway lines. There's a couple of old photographs. We've got hold of the sheds covering Basin 2, and it looks totally, totally different. The industrial history of Hockley Port and its role in the Hockley Port Transshipment Warehouse is fascinating, going back more than 200 years. But I was interested in more recent history. I asked Penny what Hockley Port was like when she arrived 30 years ago. 
it was the sort of final days I think of the city farm project I don't quite know what went on there but when I was there it was only basin one that got water in it basin two was filled in there was a big adventure playground that I think had been uh, paid for by Dulux there was a big football field that was quite well used so it was quite a small area compared to how it is now but much more used by the community generally as an overall site than it is now something fell apart with the community scheme which is a shame I think there have been people I think it's been running in one form or another for about 20 years the scheme was called the port 86 and I think it was something else before then so my guess would be and certainly this is what people said when we were looking into some stuff around the legalities of planning permission and things I think there have been people living on boats there since the 70s which is long before Harry was even born I'm relatively new to Huckley Port. I've lived here less than a year. I lived on my boat for two years previous to moving to Huckley Port. I lived on it as a student and the option that you can do with a boat is you either pay up for a mooring and stop in one place or you move around. You have to move every week really and you have to move a decent distance and that's totally fine while you're a student. But when you have a job, then it sort of becomes all a bit less practical, which is why I took out a mooring in Hockleyport, because live and work in Birmingham will kind of make sense. When I first came here, it cost £35 per month to moor here with the dilapidated gate that was only locked at night. I chose this place as it was inexpensive and I knew someone who had a boat here at the time. I've always been happy here and grateful for the neighbours I have, not to mention the proximity to the city centre and the peacefulness of the area in general. It's also worth a mention, the people who live in the general area outside the boatyard, I've always found them to be friendly and helpful and so we've got that to be grateful for as well. I'm not quite sure what happened with the Port 86 because the, the certainly the play scheme did continue in other forms into the early 2000s. The other thing that was going on nationally was British Waterways, as was then the organisation that became the Canal and River Trust, were trying to evict anybody who lived on a boat from that boat. There's a huge hoo-ha, you can imagine, about that coming into the uh, legislation that finally became the Waterways Act 1995. Part of the arguments around that did result in British Waterways being required to find moorings for some of the residential boaters. So Hockleyport, a combination of, I think, the community scheme starting to come to its natural end in some ways and a huge pressure on British Waterways to find residential moorings for all the people they were trying to evict from various other places. So in 1993, we were forcibly regenerated. We were not happy about this as a community. We were a small community uh, occupying one basin. What we wanted to do was gradually, and involving the wider community, expand the site and keep some of the provision that was going on for the kids and things. Anyway, we were forcibly regenerated, but at the time, it was very clumsily done by British Waterways and the City Council. We very nearly all got evicted. It was literally by the skin of our teeth that we weren't all kicked off the site while it was regenerated. We were told we would all have to go to Sherborne Wharf. Well, there was mains electricity at Hockley. There wasn't mains electricity at Sherborne Wharf. We fought to stay at Hockley. Luckily, there was somebody at the council that understood the argument that you wouldn't evict people who were living in houses if you were doing something to the road. When I first moved in here, 
along the main arm. There were no houses. There was an old hospital that had been knocked down some time before and there were just trees. And when they wanted to build the flats, they wanted to knock our wall down um, so that the houses could look at the pretty boats and have, have scenery. And the pretty boats said, nah, nah, nah. they said happening because uh, for security reasons. So the wall stayed. And it's a beautiful old brick wall with creepers growing along it. It's one of the very few bits, apart from the actual basins, that is the built heritage of yeah. this area that's that still left that one wall that was the towpath cutting through. Strangely, the canal actually went through what's now our car park about another half a mile up to one of Matthew Bolton's Soho works, an old jewellery factory. And that's been filled in ever since I've remembered being here. I find it really quite an interesting place. I'm an engineer and I'm, you know, into sort of engineering history. Like there's a big warehouse that's been converted into a meeting place just as the driver, as we come up. And I, I looked at it and I thought, that's, that's very good. That's got disabled access to the higher level. And then I suddenly realised, no, that's a barrel ramp where they would have rolled barrels of produce down there to be loaded to the trains below. I just find the whole area so, so fascinating that the first commercialised steam engines were made just down the road and would have been put onto narrowboats to be taken all over the country from Hockley Port. How cool is that? The old history is indeed very cool, but so is some of the more recent history too. My godson was born on the boat opposite me. He has a birth certificate that says, Born Narrowboat Strange Days, Hockley Port Maurice, and that is the coolest birth certificate to have. We had our wedding reception here in Hockley Port, which was a marvellous weekend. It turned out to be a three-day wedding. We hired the uh, beer tent from the BCNS, and there was, must have been about uh, 17 boats here. We had a pig roast. Um, and it followed the next day with uh, several boaters cooking a full English breakfast for 70 people. It never ceases to fascinate me that I live on the site of such rich industrial heritage, and perhaps we might come back to explore this in more detail in later episodes. And I also love to hear the personal, more recent history stories of my neighbours, I'm very aware that I've only heard from a small selection of people living here at Hockleyport, and I hope that in time we might get to hear from a few more people too. In our next episode of this podcast, we'll be returning to the current topic of COVID-19 lockdown and how individuals are keeping themselves occupied and entertained with limited resources. Please subscribe to this podcast to make sure you get our weekly updates. As ever, I'm extremely grateful to all our contributors in this episode who once again made their recordings in their own boats via WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Thank you for listening. And as Colin so nicely puts it, Good health to everyone. Stay healthy.